A million great ideas die instantly every day because they lack a plan or funding or you name it. We need more conversations about the soul inside the idea. The wind blows warm at a quarter to five. The sky's still dark but my mind's alive. You lay beside me dreaming of the sea. At least that's what it looks like to me. I'm Mark Ackler. At this stage in my life and career, the guiding principles I use are joyful innovation, building community, and teaching and practicing empathy. Welcome to The Real Work, presented by UBS, a show that gets to the heart and soul of building the pathways to making something, well, real. The voices you'll hear here are humble and honest, self-critical and strong, like James Jack, an evangelist for business owners with a passion for curating the next generation of leaders. You you say in Exit Right that I, I love this line, is the minute you take investor dollars is a business that's for sale, right? And I think that is a paradigm that most people don't think about. In this episode, we unpack one of the most significant moments in life, selling a business. I'm Mark Ackler. Let's get to the real work. Well, thank you, Mark, for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. When you you told me that you were going to start doing the this podcast, um, I was grateful and honored that you said, "Hey, I'd love to bring UBS and 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 me in, involved with it." So, um, congrats, and uh, happy to talk to you today. So, first of all, for our listeners, a little bit about you personally, and you know, everybody knows UBS, but would love just a like a brief explanation of your role, what you're doing, and particularly your division inside of UBS. Sure. So I head up UBS's business owners client segment here uh, in the United States. And I'm also in charge of our uh, multi-generational wealth segments as well. And really what my role is, is, is supporting our financial advisors and the business owner clients that they work with. So how can we deliver the many resources that UBS has globally to help business owners as they start, grow, and ultimately exit their business. Yeah. And my guess is probably life has changed a lot in the last couple of years out there in the world, but for your business owners, how have you adapted and responded? How has UBS adapted and responded to the changing needs of, of your clients and then I want to dig a little bit deeper about you personally. Like, I want to hear a little bit about your background. Well, I spent, I've spent my entire career here at UBS, and I spent a lot of time as a product developer and a strategist in our banking and lending and cash deposits, which this week has been you know, a, big, a big topic du jour, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, I was given the opportunity to start this, this organization, and it's been great because we spent kind of the first few years on what do we do? How do we help business owners as they really as they think about exiting their business, right? Especially as the idea is if we can be of great help, then, you know, of course, we'll build a great bond with the client and then manage their wealth. But I think what, what really set us apart and was very fulfilling for me personally is when we got to 2020 in the pandemic, you know, we became... I think a great service to our clients, and I'm I'm so so proud of what we were able to do about just being 
there and providing advice and guidance, particularly around, you know, paycheck protection program. It's, you know, it's three years ago. It's kind of crazy. It was our life for two years and we've kind of quickly moved on, but we weren't a paycheck protection program lender at UBS, but we still had to be of great service. People come to a financial advisor for advice, much more so than, you know, buying a stock in a bond, right? Uh, Believe it or not. So we could help people navigate that crazy program and, and how convoluted and complicated it was. And our advisors said, you know, they're a being of service to people. I'm so proud of that. And, and now, now as we get into kind of post-pandemic phase, you know, we're back out there. We're talking to people. Of course, the M&A market has changed in the last year. But just this week, we're, we're ramping back up again because with what's happened with cash solutions and, and safety and soundness, you know, that's sexy again, right? And not in a, unfortunately, in a good way. It's, you know, it, it, the chaos about it, but people are concerned. Thankfully, things have died down a little bit in terms of, okay, we know those deposits are safe and that's, that's really good, um, but it's top of mind. And again, a financial advisor, we can be of value, we can be of service, even if it's not UBS providing a product or service per se, just by being a sounding board, by being a listening agent. Mark, you know, you know, you know better than anyone, this is an emotional journey. <laughs> you bet. So people are just looking for someone to talk to you know, many times. So, so I ask all my guests a couple of questions. Can I ask you a couple of personal questions? Yeah, absolutely. All right. First, really simple one. When you wake up in the morning, what makes you smile? Well, uh, my, I think I would say my family and friends, uh, I live and I work so hard to spend time with the people I love, the people who make me laugh. Um, so that I would say is the, is what makes me smile for sure. Um, I'm always thinking about what we're going to be doing next with, with my crew or, you know, or with my family. So, um, yeah, I would say that that's definitely what makes me smile. Awesome. And if you had the one word to describe you, I sort of encapsulate the essence of James, what, what would it be? Gregarious. Yeah, of course. You, you know, that's interesting. You said, like, I was thinking optimistic, but I think gregarious is a better word. Like, <laughs> you, you, you are such a friendly guy. You, you know, one of the things that, that has struck me over the course of the last year and a half, I've had the honor of, of going around the country with UBS and talking to so many of your financial advisors in your network. And a lot of times I hear, well, we're in for the long term. We're going to be partners for years and decades. But I have to tell you, my firsthand knowledge and my firsthand experience is your advisors have just gone above and beyond to have a much longer term orientation. And so, for example, not only the perceived insecurity of banking platforms over the past few weeks, but also like what happens in a world where interest rates continue to climb. You know, when we had a... a, a, basically flat interest rates for a decade, you know, life was fairly stable. You know, it is those long-term relationships right now, the, the trusted relationships that really matter. And actually, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about trust and the personal side of banking, because I think that's every bit as important. You, you sort of touched upon that a little bit. I, I agree that 
on the wealth management side, if I'm just going to take a, a business owner who's contemplating an exit just because it's you know very close to what I'm doing, but it could be really at any phase, you're going to have so many people in that ecosystem. You're going to have an investment banker. You're going to have a lawyer. You're going to have a CPA. You're going to have a wealth manager. You're going to have an insurance agent. You know, you know, you need to go down the list. Several of those people are they're working on that transaction, and once that transaction's done, you know, you probably won't ever talk to them again. That's not reflective on on them in any way. It's just that's just the the nature of that relationship. So with with the wealth manager, you really want it to be, you know over many years and even many generations. And so I think it's critical that as a business owner, when you're talking to whomever that may be, UBS or otherwise, that that's something you really want to, 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 to look into and make sure that you build that relationship that you're building, not just about getting this one transaction done or getting this one raise done or whatever, is how can they connect the dots of the financial ecosystem to help you and support you and then many times, I think when I'm talking to clients and business owners and financial advisors are talking to them, we're oftentimes, you know, the armchair psychiatrist. It's <laughs> what does it mean, especially if you're thinking about exit, you know, this may be your baby, maybe even your baby more so than your real babies, right? You know, you, you love this thing. It's been your life for years and it, it's hard to let go. It's hard to think of what, how I'm going to fill my time. It's hard to think about what will replace my social life what will replace my purpose? Those are more, you know, emotional, uh, philosophical questions rather than how do I, you know, do A, B, and C in terms of taxes and transactional. So trust is critical there because you're building a relationship, you're building a conversation. If you're not having those types of conversations with your advisors, you're going to get kind of just the relationship matter, just what happens, boom, done. And I think it really behooves all of us on every side of the transaction to say, you know what, you know, we're a part of this. We're a team together. Oh, that's so well said. You know, I've, I've had the good fortune of being through a couple transactions and it is such an emotional journey and emotional arc. And, and you're absolutely right. If, if you've never gone through it before, or if this is a life altering event, there is so much you don't know. And so much you're afraid of. Like, like at the same time, as a business owner, you're ecstatic. Like you're just like you're about to fulfill the dreams that you've worked so hard for for so many years. And you you don't want to mess up. Yeah. Like you like right. You don't want to make wrong decisions. And 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 the post, what happens afterwards? You are so right. Well, I, I've had Mark. I've had situations with you know, particularly on an exit where everyone is high-fiving and, and having a great time. Uh, and I've had a similar one where everyone's doing that, but then the actual business owners are, you know, a complete wreck, right? Because now they don't know what's going to happen. While yes, they're, you know, from the monetization side of things, you know, that's an exciting part, but their whole life and identity is wrapped up in that business. And so, you know, it's really important to to think about that and Many times people diminish that emotional side, but for business owners going through an exit, they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror afterwards, right? And if they're worried that the culture of their business will change or their employees will, you know, hate them or the community will hate them, you know, especially businesses that are long-term, many, many years, that's really a worry. 
maybe in the technology venture short-term space where it's a five to 10 year venture, maybe that's less of an issue. Uh, no, it, it's still an issue for, for many CEOs. It's still an issue for sure. Yeah. So it's such a, it's such an important part. Whereas I think, you know, the, the reputation of many people in the advisor class are, you know, just on that one transaction. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to, you know, work with is educate advisors on, Hey, you can be so much more. Right. And the best advisors in our industry across all of the different spectrums, they already know that and are working on that and building that trust. Yeah, yeah of course. You, you know, one of the things in the book, Exit Right, that UBS was an incredible partner and sponsor of was the concept of legacy. And so the concept of what, what, what is the ongoing impact? You know, a transaction is just a moment in time. Right. What happens after the transaction? So how do you stay so calm? Our clients look to their financial advisor, UBS or otherwise. They're looking for stability. And so great financial advisors look to take a pause. This is why we diversify. This is why we do this strategy or that strategy, whatever it may be, because we know that things don't always go up. It's easy for us to uh, to lose sight of that. So you need a good advisor to kind of bring you back to reality. And, and that's what a financial advisor is, you know, a good one is, is, is for. Now, you know, the markets have been turbulent for the last year and a half or so, you know, in the public markets. And so that has had impact on, on business owners because with the reduction in public markets, with the uncertainty that, that that's resulted, you really started to see at the end of 2022, you started to see that finally catching up to private markets. Deals that were in the works for a while, yeah, they, those had closed, but now it's new deals. And I think everyone was a bit, hmm, let's see, where, let's see where things go. Let's see where things land. And so you're starting to see some pause on that. And that has, I guess, unnerved some folks, particularly maybe in the technology space where you've had, you know, the number of unicorns or that, that terminology, that's really reduced itself. So there has been uncertainty. Now with the activity of this last week where people have been concerned about uninsured deposits, I think there is a desire that many of these business owners are rethinking, you know, I diversify my investments. Should I also diversify my cash and, and where it goes? And so that's definitely hitting our advisors just as much as anything. We're fortunate enough that we have a strong bank you know, that's based in Utah, as well as access to other other opportunities to do with cash. And so that's kind of the walk, walking people through that, helping them understand what's insured, what's uninsured, what other strategies there are. And you're really reliant as a business owner on on that. I think what adds to the heightened concern this week is, okay, well, the government has provided some backstop on deposits. Thank God. Boom. Okay. I feel much better about that now, but I still have a credit line perhaps, you know, I need to, I need to do all these other activities. So you're going to start seeing, I think over the days and weeks to come is the unwinding of some of those strategies that business owners have built over the last many, many years to find new solutions. And it's likely going to be, um, spreading it out you know the not all the eggs in one basket strategy as as you used to say you know as a kid of course and in, in fact you know i sit on several boards 
the conversation of sweep accounts, <laughs> you know, and like, like what, what are some of the different strategies of where we could uh, parlay our, our, our risk and debt. It's like, personally, I feel like there's a debt, I wouldn't call it apocalypse, but I, I think debt is a wonderful instrument when there's predictability. I think that in my world, the technology world, a lot of technology firms took on venture debt as a way of not getting diluted. And it was great when they're making their numbers, but if business starts to slow down a little bit, you start tripping your covenants, right? So then these last few weeks, not only are we rethinking our cash and where we're putting cash and diversifying risk, but we're also thinking about our lending relationships, our debt obligations, and what are the consequences if business tends to slow down a little bit and you start tripping covenants. It's like, like the world is changing. You know, you mentioned earlier that we've been in kind of a very stable rate environment. It's, it's changed dramatically in the last year and a half or so. The importance of talking to your financial advisor about what are the strategies, what does it mean for me? I mean, I think our, our, those are always important, but, you know, really, really important right now. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it's every, every business owner, every entrepreneur is different. Everyone has a, you know, a slightly different need, of course, um, not to, you know, not to kind of dodge a bit, but it, it is true. And I think there are a lot of strategies that people don't know about. You know, that, you, you know, you think about, oh, I, you know, I just know about this type of loan or this type of, you mentioned sweep deposits and from a deposit account, you know, there are many banks that, you know, they'll take in deposits and they'll sweep it out to other deposits so that you can try to get a lot more FDIC insurance without having to open, you know, accounts at each of those banks. People just haven't known to ask it before, right? Um, and so I think there, with every challenge, there's an opportunity to reset and to rethink and learn new things. And so that's what I'm trying to be hopefully optimistic about. My conversation with James Jack continues in a minute. I'm really proud to partner with UBS again, this time on the Real Work Podcast. It's a rich relationship that began with sharing the story of the book I co-wrote with Mirta Sherry called Exit Right. Exit Right teaches where deals get into trouble alignment between negotiating parties and what terms of a deal you should care about most. As a leading global wealth manager, UBS knows how to work with entrepreneurs and business owners at all stages of their journey and legacy. In fact, their purpose statement is reimagining the power of investing, connecting people for a better world. Empathy matters. Starting and growing a business is hard. It's why UBS reminds their clients to begin with the end in mind, as their legacies often become intertwined with their companies. To learn more and find an advisor near you, go to UBS.com slash business services. UBS.com slash business services. UBS Financial Services, Inc., subsidiary of UBS Group AG, member FINRA SIPC.
advice do you give to entrepreneurs, business owners? You know, when should they start talking to an advisor? You know, one of the things that you and I have we've talked about for years is is should you wait until there's a transaction or should you start that relationship sooner? Earlier is always better. I'll, I'll take a slightly different approach. A lot of business owner clients that I talk to don't have wills, for example, uh, which is crazy to me. So my advice there is as soon as you have a child or you have an employee, you should, you should have a will. You know, just immediately, uh, you know, get going. Most people don't do that, though, crazy enough. Now, specifically on this question, I think it's better the sooner you do it, the better. There's so many things, particularly at, at company formation, if you have the chance, that you can do that can have a tremendous, tremendous impact on your, your ultimate exit, whether that's you know, in months, weeks, or, or many, many years down the line. And so that's important, but most people don't, don't necessarily do that, and you, know, you can't turn back time. So I think if you are thinking more, more realistically, having a regular conversation about it, just bringing it up, maybe just, this is what I'm thinking, I want to make sure I'm in the right place, great. Once you start getting serious though, right, where you go from more about just some general tips and, and rules, now it's, I plan to exit in two years, three years, five years. I think once you get kind of in the five-year window, that's when things really begin to heat up and then really, really so in in the two years. And I think in that phase, it's what planning can you do? Because the planning that you do, what we call advanced planning, so trust and estate planning, tax planning, wealth planning, that helps you understand with what do I need for an exit? Like, can I live, you know, if someone were to offer me $10 million tomorrow, is that enough for me and my family to live? Or do I need it to be $50 million, right? Who knows? That's kind of number one, you get in a sense of what you need. And two is you, it allows you to do the planning work where you're not fully ingratiated in a, in a deal, in a due diligence, where the stakes are high, right? You don't want to be splitting your time. You need to be meeting your numbers once you're going through a due diligence process, right? And you want to be gathering and, and connecting everything. So doing that planning work ahead of time is important because of that, because you don't want to have the conflict of, of distraction rather, but also because you can take advantage of, of what, you know, of discounts and, and other great things, which helps you maximize the net proceeds that you'll get from an exit for the people and the causes you care about. So incredibly important. We can spend an hour talking about all of those things, which is what UBS does. We bring that service to our clients. Then as you get closer, you know, that's when maybe you want to bring in an investment banker or, or some other, uh, you know, certainly an M&A attorney. That's when you're really going to begin a process to create what I like to call competitive tension. I use this example. I don't love to use this example, but it's the easiest one. If you're selling a house and one person comes to the open house, that's not a great process. Maybe you sell a house, it's fine. But when you have two people who are competing, that's when things really go well. And so many business owners um, at all phases and all different types, they say, of course, Mark, you're going to buy my business. You're my competitor. You're down the street. It makes perfect sense. But we don't know that, you know, Joe or Sally, who's across the ocean or across the river or across the country, is looking to get into my market and is going to pay a premium or, you know, or whatever it may be. And if you're not looking to find those people using a banker or, or some sort of advisor to help you do that, I think that could be a great way to get more for your business. Not necessarily more money, which is great, but maybe it's better terms. Maybe it's 
better things for your employees. You know, what values you have can be a lot of things other than just money. A good financial advisor, hopefully a good UBS financial advisor, is going to ask about your goals and what are you looking to achieve. And, and, and most people, I think, are going to go right to the money because that's what wealth management is about. But those other things make a huge, huge difference because, again, you need to look yourself in the mirror after this transaction. So that is where I think if you know that in advance, you can begin to prepare for it. If you haven't done any of that work and, you know, Mark calls you one day and says, I want to buy, I want to invest in your business or I want to buy your business. And here's the deal you're going to be so flabbergasted, right? And yes, it sounds great. You don't know if it's the right amount. You know, the devil's in the details. You haven't done the planning, so you're probably going to pay a lot of taxes that you didn't expect. And you're not going to be able to give to the people and causes you care about, or you're not going to be able to protect, you know, your employees or your community or whatever it may be. So having that time being thoughtful, you know, is is so important. And one of the things you you say in Exit Right that I, I love this line is, the minute you take investor dollars is a business that's for sale, right? <laughs> right? And I think that is a paradigm that most people don't think about. And it, it blew me away when I read it because I was like, that's right. That's right. And, yeah. and so when it's friends and family, you know, as if you're starting a business and you're taking friends and family and you're bringing in that dollar, at some point, someone is expecting to have a return on that dollar. Right. And so we as business owners, you're beholden to your shareholders. Right. Um, And so thinking about that, thinking about yourself, thinking about your family, critical. Yeah. You know, one of the things you said, which I agree so strongly with, is it's really a conversation about values every bit as much as it is, you know, financial optimization And, and having a deeper conversation about who you are, what you care about, what your family's values are, I, I think is a really important role for a financial advisor. And and so let me ask you the ultimate question then. When uh, an entrepreneur, when a business owner is ready to start to begin those relationships and have those conversations and ready to select one, oftentimes, sometimes they just go to the first person they talk to, but I think every. I think we would agree that it's probably helpful to interview a few people just to see, get a different sense and point of view and perspective of who they are and what they offer. What kind of questions would you tell a business owner, an entrepreneur, when they're interviewing a financial advisor? What are some of the penetrating questions they should ask of their potential advisor? Certainly important to understand things like pricing and all that stuff. But in my opinion, what's most important, because at a certain level, the difference between financial advisor A and financial advisor B, when it comes to pricing or performance, you know, on the long term, probably not dramatically different, maybe, maybe on the margins. And that, that could mean a lot, particularly if you're, you know, if you've, you know, been a very successful business owner, I think you want to look for cultural fit. Me personally, if it's my spouse and I, who are at the table, I want to make sure that financial advisor is talking to both my wife and I, or if my children are involved or, or whatever, like that everyone is included. I want to make sure that they're asking me about what's important to me in my bones, right? And what moves me, what drives me. And I think I want them asking me about 
why did I start my business and what what drives me? So so that's not so much me asking them. It's what clues, what context clues is that advisor giving me? If they are moving mostly to investments and kind of where they think, I think that you know you're going to get kind of more of a transactional based you know representative. So you you definitely want to see that. But I think when I speak to financial advisors and they tell me the best conversations they have the best initial conversations they have almost never talk about what the actual investment's going to be. And I tell financial advisors all the time when speaking to a business owner is that comes almost at the end. Yes, you need to understand kind of how much money they need, but the actual investments that almost comes at the end. So I'm looking for context clues on how they're speaking with me and my family. And I'm going to ask them about them personally. Is there a cultural fit? Remember, if all things work out well, I'm with this financial advisor for many, many years. Decades, right? I mean, ho- hopefully, right? I got to like this person. It's similarly with an investment banker. You know, maybe it's not decades on it, but for nine months, we're in the trenches together. I better like you. Um, so so I think that's important. Those kind of clues, for sure. You want to make sure there's that kind of fit. Um, and then, of course, you know, ask them about the specifics of, you know, what they do, what their investment thesis is and what they think for you. And, you know, what makes, you know, what makes the firm that, that they're at um, special and unique. I think those are all important, but those are, I think, secondary or tertiary. There's a story, Mark, that, um, that uh, a financial advisor told me where they were working with, uh, at the time, a prospect, and they were going through all the things that UBS does and what we do. And at the end of the day, um, exit right came up. That person said is, what ultimately was the differentiator for him and his wife was that it seemed like that financial advisor got him. And the fact that UBS did the sponsorship about this book and talked about entrepreneurs, that, that we got him. That's it. That's, it's, the, it's the connections. It's the relationship, I think. So that's what I would try to, to lead with is, um, you know, you're going to be worth this advisor for many, many years. And um, you better like him. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, listen, one last question for you. You just had a a big personal milestone. You've been to all 50 states. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So I love to travel. Um, I love seeing and experiencing new cultures that are different than my own. And I had this dream of hitting all 50 states before the pandemic. But back during the pandemic, I said, you know, the only way you're going to go to some of these states is through a road trip. Uh, work isn't going to take me to these places. And so, you know, in June of 2020, before it became huge, I did a cross-country road trip and back, and I designed my route to hit the states I didn't have in the 48. That finished the 48, and then I needed Alaska and Hawaii. So I went last year to Alaska, and then just this year, I went to Hawaii with my friends. And when I got into the hotel, my friends were there, and they had Shirts that said, uh, you know, the 50 state club and they had the certificate for me and it was really quite cute. And so I'm thrilled to hit it because I set my, my mind on it and our country is an amazing place full of amazing people. And my job being the business owner segment head, you talk to a lot of business owners, which is even better. And so I'm, I'm so, so grateful that I got to do it at, you know, a fairly young age. Now I have to think about what's next. All right. Fair enough. So let's take it inside the 50 states for a second. Relative to your expectations, like, is there a state 
that really surprised you or, or a moment that really sticks with you? Well, I'll preface this with I'm, I'm from New Jersey. I live in New York. I lived in New York for 20 years. The state that is my absolute favorite outside of my home is Montana. And I guess it's now kind of, you know, blasé, right? Because everyone loves Montana, you know, particularly. But I went there many years ago and was blown away. You know, I see New York or Chicago. I see those tall towers that we've built as kind of monuments to man and the mountains of the of the Mountain West as monuments to God and nature. And it, it totally blew me away. So I've been going back to Montana for many, many years now. There are great surprises all over the Mountain West. I love the Mountain West. Also, the time zone is the best. Two hours behind East Coast time, really fantastic. You can kind of finish the day and then have a, a bunch of light. That's really, really nice. All right, Montana, it is. I regret almost saying it. Now all the people are going to go to Montana, make it even harder. <laughs> <laughs> the wind blows warm at a quarter to five. The sky's still dark, but my mind's alive. You lay beside me dreaming of the sea. At least that's what it looks like to me. That's what it looks like to me. That's what it looks like to me. Hey, yeah. That's our show. If you like what you heard, spread the word across your social channels. The Real Work, presented by UBS, is a noteworthy original podcast. The executive producer is Kristen Tews. Our show is produced by Todd Manley. And the theme music was created by my dear friend, the great Peter Himmelman. I'm Mark Ackler. Thanks for listening.